0: You're listening to The Author's Leverage, where it's all about your book and how to create a greater impact and a greater income with it. This podcast is for the author who knows there's more you can do with that book. Whether you're publishing your first one ever or you've written multiple bestsellers, the path to greatness begins by looking around and seeing that you are at this moment standing right in the middle of your own acre of diamonds. My friends, your book is a brand. I'm Parshel Tashi, creative entrepreneur and education design architect, and I'll be your guide diving into the minds of successful authors, renowned publishers, and industry experts to glean practical wisdom you can integrate into your book writing, launch, and marketing strategies today. You'll hear straight from the source how authors like you were able to publish their best work and build wildly profitable, successful businesses around it. Welcome aboard the Author's Leverage. Hey, welcome back to another episode of The Author's Leverage. If you're an author, if you're an expert, if you're an entrepreneur, and you're watching this, listening to this podcast, this is going to be a very exciting episode, especially if you're interested in really utilizing and setting aside one hour a week of your time to create content, to establish a community, to grow an audience. Um, We're talking about podcasting, and that's one of my favorite topics ever, and I have such the perfect expert guest on with me today to talk about this topic. So that way, when it comes to the different areas that you're trying to grow as it relates to social media, and for your business, this is a topic that you're going to want to hear. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of things. And honestly, for me, I've, I'm just like, I get to geek out a little bit. So this is going to be fun. Uh, so I have with me, Cheryl poof, who's uh, joining me today, let me introduce her and then bring her right on uh, to the set here. So Zoroplouff turned her professional media experience into a thriving virtual video production agency and consultancy. She's an entrepreneur an international speaker and has broadcast over 20,000 hours of live television over her 25-year career. So we're definitely talking about someone who is no stranger to the camera and has really transformed that into what we're talking about today with podcasting. So today, Cheryl and implements custom content plans for six- and seven-figure business owners so they can quickly get their brand known online. She's a creator of the Profitable Podcast Method, helping coaches get more clients, referrals, and speaking gigs. And when she's not working, she's a hockey and baseball mom and an avid Prince fan. And Cheryl also lives and works in Ontario, Canada. So let's welcome, welcome, welcome Cheryl to the stage.
1: Thank you, Cheryl, for being here. Hi, Parshall. So great to be here. Yes, I'm a Prince fan through and through. I would not have guessed that. You would not have guessed it? Yeah, there may be some secrets hidden deep inside this leopard print shirt.
0: I love it. I love it. And, um, and and today we're talking about podcasting. I'm so excited for this. Tell us a little bit about your, your career, like, and maybe some of the things that are translating into this because it is such a hot and needed topic right now.
1: Yeah, well, I was a TV broadcaster for 25 years professionally here in Canada, and 17 of those were spent on the national stage. I really felt that it was a natural progression to go from broadcasting into marketing because the truth is, as a broadcaster, I was a TV personality. I also worked in some leadership and management roles as well, but largely I was hired to build someone else's brand and to create content for a a different, you know, in this case, a media company and one of the largest media companies uh, in Canada, most well-known and best managed. So it's really a natural progression to go from broadcasting to creating your own business. And that's what I did in 2017, started my own company in uh, video marketing consultancy. And, and that really progressed into other, you know, ways that I could help business owners to leverage the online space, to leverage the technological tools that are our, at our avail today. Some of which we're using today, which is exciting. And uh, these tools weren't always available to you and I. You know, they were really relegated more to the the, the high end professional broadcast types of the world. But now they're available to all of us. And that's predominantly what I like to. And you and I are going to geek out on this today. I just have a feeling.
0: You're right. I mean, it's such a powerful shift. Right. I mean, even looking back now to to even be on TV, how much effort, time, money, resources went oh. into that. And now you can be anywhere and everywhere literally from your device or wherever you are, it's, 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 it's like an open playing field and it's like, it's leveled the playing field as well.
1: When you work in a newsroom um, and and have experience with television and broadcasting, as we both do, you know, that it used to be, you know, that would take a, a large team of people to put on any type of professional production. And many of those tools now are available at the prosumer level. And we can have access to these tools. And in many cases, you you use the click of your mouse. So if you can copy and paste, and you can click a mouse, you're you're in business.
0: Totally. And I love that podcast is podcasting is so simple. It's really either. I mean, when you look at the formats of it, you can either be talking to yourself, talking to another person, talking with a group. Uh, it's it's so so powerful. So when we talk about a business owner who's looking to um, either delve into this or expand what they already have, you know, what are sort of some of the biggest benefits you would say that are there for them if they go this direction?
1: Some of the biggest benefits of podcasting would be that you are able to create content efficiently and, and cost effectively. You're able to, depending on your strategy, it could be that you're helping yourself to build new network connections and build your list of available um, people in your network that you could rely on to ask a quick question or bounce an idea off of, right? What is your network like and who do you have access to? And again, if your strategy is to do it as I like to suggest that it be a talk show format, much of like what we're doing here is that you're able to have guests on your show and leverage the audience that they have already built on their own. So it's an organic way of getting you, yourself, in front of more people who may not have previously ever heard of you. So it is a a reach strategy, and it's a way to build your audience. It's a way to create content. Um, I think it's also a way to build authority. Nothing builds your authority or credibility instantly quite like hosting a show. And, um, And I think those are some of the key benefits. And there are many more, but those are the key ones that come to my mind.
0: Yeah. And I love it, too, because if you're a networker like I am, then it also becomes a gift or give, if you will, to people that you meet. You know, if there's any sort of synergy there between hopefully what you're doing, what they're doing, there's a conversation to be had and to be able to gift that to someone. Essentially, you're gifting them content that they can have, share and utilize for themselves as well and for you becomes such a win-win. And that's one of my favorite aspects of podcasting. Would you say this is the same for you? Or do you have a favorite um, aspect about podcasting that just, you know, that you absolutely love?
1: Well, I do think it's a valid point that when you have a show of your own, where you can invite guests to be on your show, it is a gift to invite people and bring them onto your show. Really, when you think about it, it's like an up-leveled lead magnet, maybe to some degree, and although I don't really like the term lead magnet, but it is a way to extend an invitation to someone without asking for anything in return. And what it does, Parshal, is it actually builds reciprocity with that other person. So when you invite someone on your show, perhaps even someone who is a big name, someone who has something to promote, someone who is has maybe a larger audience than you, it would be call them internally or big names, that you could extend an invitation to someone who you might not have previously had the opportunity to put your foot in the door to that connection or to that relationship. And so you immediately don't come across as selling anything because you're not selling anything. And and it's built on this idea of reciprocity. I give to you without asking for anything in return, but what happens naturally is that that other person Wants to give back to you and offers an opportunity to say, "Well, well, now well, you've done something for me. What can I do for you? Who can I introduce you to? Who are you looking to network with?" Um, you know, I, I know someone who has a speaking stage. You'd be perfect for them. I want to introduce you to someone who has a summit. I want me to introduce you to someone who has a great podcast. I have my own podcast. Come on my show. All of these are business opportunities that, quite frankly, land in your lap by virtue of you being the first person who approaches them and says, hey, I want to give you something without asking for anything else.
0: That's huge. That's, I love the way you sum that up. I mean, it really is all a number of opportunities that are there just from having or being someone who's open to being on other podcasts. Now, in particular, you've named your program the Profitable Podcast, right? And that kind of definitely turns it up even more. So share a little bit about what you mean when you put that in front of it. Now we're doing it profitably.
1: Well, I think it's looking at the definition of profitability, at least for me, it's an extension of just selling a product or service. It is about um, the value of your time. So for example, looking at production, we subscribe to a one hour per week model and an edit list podcast model, which saves you time. As we all know, time is money, right? So Profitability is also an extension of that. It's looking at how are you spending your time? If you find yourself maybe producing a podcast the traditional way, meaning that you're pre-recording it and then there's a lot of editing and post-production involved, I don't know about you, but I've run into people all the time who are spending eight hours, 10 hours a week okay, on just editing the podcast. So my belief is that there is a huge opportunity for a lot of people to, to re-examine their production model and do it more efficiently. So that would be one example of how we would we would say well, that, that's much more profitable if you're doing that. Um, it does also involve, in my view, promoting your own products and services, but elegantly, you know, and seeding that on your own show and using your own show as a platform to sell your own products and services, as opposed to partial, what is the traditional way of doing it, which is let's wait until an audience builds over the long term, whether it be a year, two years plus, and hope that we get a sponsor or an advertiser to give us, you know, $200 to be on our show long term. The ROI doesn't make a lot of sense for all the work and all the episodes that you have put in for those two years to get to that point where you get 200 bucks, right? So what we say is the profitability is really on the front end. It's how are you leveraging your show to build connections, relationships, business opportunities, and, and we teach methods by which to do that. But our view is that you leverage the show in that way so that you can immediately see benefits. And, and there's, a, there's a host of other ways that we can do that, but it's it's really predicated on the idea of yeah, let the, let an audience grow naturally over time, but really focus on the business development opportunities and momentum that you can build through an audience of of network connections that will really help to move your business forward.
0: That's huge, and I, I love that. Like, just essentially, you can be profitable from the beginning. You don't have to wait you don't have to wait until it amasses a number of followers and all of that like you can really be profitable in the sense like you said of your time and in opportunities uh, right from the jump so that's a that's a powerful shift in the perspective podcasting is already big everyone listening tuning in like you hopefully will hear this and be inspired to have your own podcast and see that with this perspective how beneficial it can be to you uh from the start so um, so with that, you know, what comes to mind, I know, and I'm pretty sure you get it a lot, is the tech, all of the hangups and the issues as to why this cannot happen for me. <laughs> you know, r- the reasons why, you know, you don't have time, the tech is too confusing. How do you ease those concerns for people who are interested in going this direction?
1: Well, as someone who spent pretty much my entire professional career <laughs> around technology and edit bays and control rooms and, you know, master control and, you know, studios, uh, there, there is a lot of technology that can seem confusing to people who've not been around it. But just like broadcasting, once you're around that environment for some time, the, it starts to, um, you start to kind of look at it and go, oh, it's just the studio. It's just the control room. It's just the edit bay. And the mystery of it kind of is, you know, comes out of it. I think it's the same thing with technology. A lot of the tools that are available to us today, the first time you try it, of course, it's something new. You've never done it before. But the first time is always the hardest, and then it gets easier and easier every time you rinse and repeat the formula and the system. The technology today, in my view, is very user-friendly. There are tools that are very complicated, but I pride myself on really scouring through all the technology and only working with the tools that i personally will find enjoyable that i enjoy how things are laid out i like the interface i like the the user-friendliness of it the intuitiveness of it like those are qualities that i look for in any tech tool that i use and that i would then in turn recommend so i'm i'm big on i want to copy and paste i want to use my mouse i want to, you know i want to keep it really simple and the tools that i gravitate to and i think some of the ones you do too help us to do that but i think the conversation around technology as you just mentioned sometimes people have fears around being seen or getting out there and interviewing people they put up a wall of i can't do it because of the technology and that argument doesn't really hold true anymore because it is so easy to to really grasp and use the technology. Sometimes people put up that wall because it helps them to have an excuse for not doing the thing that actually is the real reason that they're scared. So, you know, I hear that a lot where people, oh, well, I can't possibly do it because I couldn't possibly, I'm not techie, I couldn't possibly learn that. And when you really dig deeper, you find out they're actually afraid of you know, looking silly or foolish, and it has nothing to do with the technology at all, but it was the most convenient excuse to use.
0: Call them out, Cheryl, call them out. <laughs> Get them right. Yeah. Like that's, that's a, a very, you know, that that's a, a bigger truth behind, you know, why we don't do some of the things that we do. It's not so much the tech and all of that, but ultimately it could be something uh, deeper. And so I'm happy to hear that you also kind of dig into that when it comes to yeah. folks that you work with and how you're supporting them, because if wow. you get over that, you know, then that covers all of the, those underlying issues and you can just show up yourself and um, use the technology, right? Everything else should it simply fall in place from there. So of course, this is the author's leverage. So we're talking to authors. And so in particular, if you, Um, just came out with a new book or you're getting ready to release one, how might you strategically advise them to leverage a podcast?
1: Well, I think with a book, the most obvious one is to look through your existing, you know, book or soon to be book and look at the chapters and look at what it is that you've already put your life's work into and then draw topics out from the book unto itself. You've already put your life's work into that that into that book just as you do where you're taking the book and you're helping people to dissect it into and create a course with it i think the same could be true of a podcast there's it's all in the book you could just start going through and saying okay here's a topic here's a topic here's a topic here's a topic and make a list you know one of the speaking of tech one of the tools i love to use is airtable because it is like a a spreadsheet on steroids it's amazing how you can you know, create lists, smart spreadsheets that talk to each other and tables that connect and such. Um, but I would start by identifying those topics within your own book. And then, you know, uh, keeping track of that. And then perhaps you look through it. And if they say to yourself, who would be, who are people again, in my existing network, or who do I know who has access to people who could come on and speak to this topic? And then do the outreach, right? Um, so we, you know, Certainly there are templates and other ways that you can do your, you know, reach out to people and, and ask them to be on your show and invite them into a short conversation around seeing if it's a fit and if there is a potential to find an angle that they could speak to for your audience, that would be a great place to start.
0: Absolutely. And too, um, what's what's powerful also about podcasts is that you essentially have one big raw file, if you will. That's the way we talk about it. You have this big raw file that's maybe 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And what you can do with that also is just like another (laughs) explosion of goodness, right? Because you can repurpose it in so many things, especially if that original format is video, because you automatically have the visuals to go with it as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And with tools like what we're using here with, with Restream, which I'm a big fan of, you can, you can show pictures, you can have slides, you could show screenshots, you can play videos. I mean, there's so many things that you can do with it from a book perspective. Um, and yeah, absolutely, I, I love, I love that, that idea as well, right? Is that you can really produce your show in such a way that you have that visual interest that you could add to it. You're really only limited by your imagination on what you could do with your podcast episode. One of the things that I am a proponent of as well is doing video and audio. So certainly we see a lot of people who do audio only, and I've seen this happen time and time again, where someone will say, have the audio only version of their of their show, of their podcast, and then they want to have video because they've heard that, well, videos organically get more reach and videos you know do better than other forms of content. But when you start with audio, and try to go the reverse direction, the options are limited. You have to either use a static image or a B-roll video and then hear the audio playing in the background, but it might not be um, as dynamic as seeing the two people in question having the conversation. Um, and then the, another alternative to that would be to do an audiogram, which is where you have an actual Uh, it is technically an MP4 image, like a a video with the the sound waves moving on the screen or something like that. Again, not quite as dynamic as two people actually having the conversation that you're audibly hearing. So I like to start with video and then repurpose the audio because you do get the best of both worlds in that case.
0: Absolutely. And you've talked about some of the tech also that comes into play. So for a business owner that is looking to you know, uh, go in this direction. How many pieces of software are actually required? You mentioned uh, Restream and I think something else, but what do, what do you usually recommend?
1: One of the things that I provide to to my students is a it's a PDF that has nine different tech tools in the PDF, and then I outline which of those nine are required in order for you to effectively. Uh, create your one hour per week podcast production method. And then some of those nine tech tools are optional. So I outline, you know, which one's required, which one is optional, but there are, and I don't know the number right off the top of my head right now, I'd have to go back and take a look, but I think there are, I want to say four of the five, five of them, I think are, are required and, and they're affordable, right? And that's the thing too, talking about tech tools I'm also looking for affordability. You know, how can we make this cost effective? If we're going to have profitability, we've got to keep other, you know, costs down as well and make it affordable to produce this thing. And and that's how I approach it.
0: I love how your program just covers all the angles. Like nothing literally is missed if you're wanting to have a podcast and do it profitably. So, um, Cheryl, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm open to hearing any of last words of wisdom that you wanna leave our audience of authors with and also where they can reach out to you, find out more about what you're doing with teaching this method.
1: Sure, thank you so much, Prashal. Well, I think the thing I would leave you with and your audience, especially authors who are maybe considering a podcast is one of the bottlenecks of the process is production and something that we're both very passionate about, post-production and what does that all entail And and This is, I think, uh, an area of your strategy that you're going to want to take a really good hard look at because if you don't have that dialed in, you end up being that person, that author who's spending eight hours editing a long-form interview that's not an income-producing activity. (laughs) So You have to have a good strategy for how you're going to produce the podcast. Uh, One of the things that I teach and like to share is that with a tool like you know, again, restream is the one that I use and recommend. and it is a tool that allows you to either go live with meaning that you're streaming your broadcast out in real time to all of the different destinations you've chosen simultaneously. One of the other things that and strategy that authors can use is that let's say you plan to go on vacation for a couple of weeks in a year, which you should be doing, by the way. You can do what's called a look live, meaning that you, pre-record it using the same tool, still no editing, but you're recording it as if it was live. And then you're taking that broadcast and you're scheduling it out as a live stream at a later date, like when you're on vacation. So you're still able to keep your cadence and still keep your scheduling intact, but you don't have to necessarily be there doing it live for those weeks when you're on vacation, you're traveling, you're at a conference or whatever. So it's a really uh, important thing to look at is your post-production uh, process and production process in general. And, and that can be something that you really can dial in in a very efficient way using the tools and technology that are available to us today. Um, the second- Part of your question is how do people get in touch, and what, what are we all about? Uh, if uh, we do have a um, a video that explains the whole profitable podcast method in detail, and it's profitablepodcastmethod.com. dot com, and uh, people can go there and and see and you know what that video is all about. I believe uh, the profitable podcast method or just profitablepodcastmethod.com will bring you to the same place.
0: Awesome. We'll definitely be sure to link to that uh, on this episode. So anyone listening, I highly recommend checking this out. It's not just about the strategy that you're going to get. But having spoken to Cheryl, I've seen her on stage. We've met in person in Vegas. She has such a strong presence and she knows what she's talking about. Um, so I highly recommend uh, checking it out and getting involved and learning from her because you're going to save a ton of time. Like the production end uh, is uh, even, even hosting this podcast. I'm doing some of the things that uh, she's taught, but I'm excited to learn more. So it's, it's <laughs> so, so great. Anytime.
1: I Well, this is the thing, you know, I, like I nerd out on this kind of stuff. Like I absolutely love, I I think I've developed this love of wanting to find the best tools and then figure out how they can work with each other and talk to each other so that it can save you and I and every listener and viewer of this podcast time and energy and even money, right? To be able to leverage that and then focus on what's actually going to grow your business, which is... And I speak from experience. It's speaking on your own platform and the platform of other people. That is it. If you can do that, if you can speak about your subject matter expertise on your own platform, i.e. a podcast and other people's platforms and and have the ability to build your network connections, you will grow. You will grow your business
0: absolutely 100 percent cheryl thank you so much for your wisdom and being here and and sharing this with 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 me and the listeners and i'll ask you one last question and then we'll, we'll wrap it up and that is uh what is your one word if there's one word you could leave the planet with from cheryl what would that one word be and why
1: oh i would say authority as it pertains to business i would say authority if you can be seen as an authority in your niche in your subject matter, if you can be seen as a preeminent authority at what it is that you do best, then you will succeed and you will be sought out and you will stop being the best kept secret. (laughs) You will be sought out and then the friction is no longer there because now people seek you out instead of you having to chase people down. There's something beautiful about opening up your email And finding an invitation, an unsolicited invitation to come and speak on someone's stage or attend a conference or, you know, those are the kind of opportunities that come your way and there's less friction. It doesn't feel like it's such an uphill battle where you really sit back and and opportunities come to you. I'm not saying you shouldn't do any outreach, of course, but I'm just saying that it's it's a frictionless type of business building that happens when you're positioned as an authority.
0: I love it. It's more attractive, right? Yes. Authority attracts. That's beautiful. Thanks again, Cheryl. And thanks for everyone who tuned in today. Um, This is the author's leverage. And as you can see, we have really amazing conversations with experts that support authors, as well as any other entrepreneur or thought leader that's looking to establish authority. Like that's so huge. And that's what this is about. So thanks again to you, Cheryl, for being here. And thanks for the listeners. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Author's Leverage. You can subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, do me a favor. If you found this helpful, leave us a review and share this episode with someone it could help along their journey. Check out more resources. Visit TheAuthorsLeverage.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time.